Hello, hello. Welcome back. It's Leading Women in Tech Time. How are you doing? Wow, what a spring we have had around here at Team Tony. We're growing as a team. We're going as a business. I have been honoured and delighted to be welcoming more and more women into Lit Up Leisure Academy and we're having so much fun in there. Uh, right now we are in the midst of our Get Hired Bootcamp. We're in month two now as when this goes out. And uh, this is the first time we've run it as a bootcamp. All the training has been in there before and we run coaching around it and we've run special events around it, but we put it all together into a one, two, three, four, five step uh, bootcamp. And we're having a lot of fun. The conversations we're having are amazing. One of the things I really love is everybody is going at their own pace. I think that's something that we don't talk about enough. I've called it a bootcamp because you can do it in eight weeks, but if you need longer, that's also fine. <laughs> and the results, some of these women are having major breakthroughs in just understanding what they want to do in their careers. So I'm all about landing you a great job, don't get me wrong, but I want you to land a great dream job. And some of the conversations we're having are just so good for helping to understand what that might look like. And I applaud those women. They might take a bit more time to land their job because they're doing this upfront work, whereas some people, you know, rushing ahead, which is totally fine too, just to get a job. Sometimes we need that, but we're having so much fun. And then there's other conversations. We had a lot of conversations in the last month about resilience, building that as a leader, what it means to build resilience in your team. I've been having conversations about what it looks like to be more strategic at work. Using AI as a leader, where does that fit in? <laughs> um, and then how to, or should we, be separating ourselves, our identity, our self-identity from our work identity? Is that healthy? Is that not? What does that mean if our team members do that? Is it a sign of disquiet at work? We're having so many great conversations. That's in addition to our regular programming, our monthly live training. We do live training every month. And our monthly live training was on system design. And I love that as a topic. And so we just, oh, so many great conversations in addition to our core programming. <laughs> so uh, I feel like as a business, we are delivering more and more for women in tech. And it is just lighting me up. Having so much fun. And actually, we're also coming to the end of the third cohort of people who've gone through Coach Academy. So we're becoming trained coaches. We've got a real mixture of women in there. Some of them are wanting to become coaches in their own right, start their own business. Some of them are going to come work for me at some point. And then in addition, we've got people who are doing it to help them in their leisure career. And I think this is where I'm really excited. Don't get me wrong. I want all of you to enjoy what you do. And so if what you want to do is become a coach like me, then I applaud you and I will support you in that. <laughs> but my passion, as you all know, is really elevating women in tech leadership. And so the women who've come into the program to become coaches so they can use it as a leadership skill. Oh, I wish I'd done that. I, it's possible if I'd done that, I wouldn't be who I am today. Now, I'm glad at who I am today, loving this. But it's very possible I would have gone down a different route. I would have stayed in tech leadership, gone all the way up the corporate ladder to a big tech company and had a massive impact by doing that because I'd have that coaching skill as well, which I actually really developed as a side hustle thing. I thought, oh, but this is what I'm going to do. I hadn't really pieced together until I started coaching women full time. I was like, wait, hold on. I should have been doing this more as my day job rather than I was doing it as like a mentorship thing. I was doing it to people other than the people I was leading. It's, it's kind of disjointed now with the benefit of hindsight. So I now really encourage all of my one-on-one -on -one executive clients to become coaches as well. So, so much going on around here. 
If you're interested in any of those programs, by the way, I will put links in the show notes in case you're interested. We're not going to be running a coach academy. That's the coach training program, Ignite Coach Academy. We're not going to run that again until September. It's an awful lot of work for me to run that one. Um, so it's very hands-on. And so I'm going to give myself a couple of months off before we start again. But you can join the wait list. So if you're interested, hop over to um, my website, link in the show notes, put yourself on the wait list. There's no obligation. It just means that when we are ready to open doors, you will be notified that it's time to open. And also remember, if you are loving this topic today, you're loving the podcast in general, do me a massive favor and subscribe in your favorite platform here on YouTube. If you're watching on video, hi, <laughs> please do us a favor. That is the best way to support this podcast and allow us to continue bringing you this free resource. Me and my team put an awful lot of effort into every episode. I brain dump. My team then goes and does some research and fills in some things. I have then an editorial team that takes hours to put every single episode together. So please, please, please support us. Share this with somebody you think would benefit from this episode. And if you've enjoyed it yourself, please like and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform or on YouTube. But I want to talk today about your first 90 days. The past couple of weeks, I've been talking about transitioning from peer to boss. And also in last week's episode, I had a conversation with Megan Walsh and Kelly Bristol about starting your first 90 days in a new role with a rock solid plan. In this episode, I want to expand on this idea and dig a bit deeper into the importance of your first 90 days. Welcome to the Leading Women in Tech podcast, the show that celebrates women in technology leadership. I'm your host, Tony Collis, and this podcast is the result of my passion for building better tech by diversifying the leadership of the technology sector. Join me on this journey as I discuss all things leadership, what it takes to be innovative, breaking through the glass ceiling, be a great leader, and how to navigate the unique experiences we face as women in tech. So sit back, grab your headphones, and get ready to be inspired to become a better leader. Your first nine days in a new role really does matter. What you do, having that plan of attack, maybe not plan of attack, sounds kind of like, ugh itchy. I don't, I don't like attack, but <laughs> but having that plan for success, let's go with that, shall we, is so critical and can really make or break your first three months, your first year, and your continued progress of your entire career. If you have a successful first 90 days, that will set you up for success for a successful first year. And a successful first year sets you up for success for the rest of that role. And the rest of that role sets you up for success for the rest of your career. So you can see how important those first 90 days are. You succeed in your roles because of the planning and preparation you do in your first 90 days. It allows you to really step into owning your role. Now, your first 90 days is additionally important if you're a leader, and it becomes more and more important as you climb the leadership ladder. The higher up you climb, the more expensive you are to hire. The cost of onboarding goes up the higher up you are in your career. The work you will do doesn't mean you're going to become instantly valuable like you would in the first couple of weeks of your first job where you were given a keyboard and and you knew enough to turn out work at that level. At more senior levels, the cost of hiring you and the cost of onboarding you is very high. There are weeks lost to training. The higher up you go, you probably realize the more training you have to do because you know more things. <laughs> and months and months are given over to your understanding the business, the strategy, the market, the customers and the team. Many moons ago, I was mentored by this amazing woman. And she said to me, it took her, it, it typically takes her a year 
she's very, she's C-level executive, big companies. It typically takes her a year to really understand an organization. And I would say I've seen that now with my executive clients time and time again. I don't think that's unusual. I think you can do really well in your first three months. Yes. And that's what we're talking about today. But to really, really get it, get the organization, get the products, get the customers and have that knitting it all together understanding that takes a good 12 months. But if we are good, the rewards can be huge to the business. A great leader can turn around a business. It can turn a mediocre team into an outstanding one and create strategy that sets the company up for short, medium and long-term success. But this is also why I tell all my clients, the companies don't hire leaders just because. Senior leaders are brought in because there is a problem. Ostensibly, it might look on paper that someone left and that's why you've been hired or the team grew and they needed a new leader, but companies wouldn't hire into your leadership role if they could get away without doing so. They'd maybe promote internally as internal candidates are already aware of the business and need much less onboarding, although still some. But ultimately, you've been hired because something isn't working well. Most industries expect it will take that 12 months to break even. So I mentioned it takes 12 months to really understand. It's not just understanding, it's the break even. So it's about you delivering on success. It's about you being worth the cost of hiring you and the bonuses and that no work at the beginning and the extra additional cost of having somebody in this role, 12 months. Six months if you're an internal candidate, that's still a very long time. But my goal with all of my clients who do go through this transition stage, and for you listening to this podcast as well, is to collapse that time frame as short as possible. The ideal is four to six months. Earlier in your career, that break-even date can be much sooner, but we still want to shorten as much as possible. And everything I'm sharing with you here can help with that, whatever stage of career you're at. Your first three months are a time when your colleagues form opinions about you. Even if you've been promoted, your colleagues are going to judge whether or not it was a good choice to promote you by the end of those 90 days. At the end of those 90 days, goodwill starts to evaporate. Opinions that your colleagues form will be pretty much set in stone. (laughs) I'm sorry, but it's true. (laughs) It becomes harder, though not impossible. And I have done this, but it does become a lot harder to change those opinions later on. I have worked with a number of clients where we have actively worked on changing the opinions of their peers and their bosses and their team. And they've been there for years. It is just an awful lot more work. Your first 90 days, there's this grace period. They're judging you, yes. But there's a grace period of, we don't know what this person's like. And so you get to set the tone. All the prep work and planning you do ahead of these crucial 90 days will help form opinions in your favor. Once you've moved into your new role and you're in that crucial first 90 days, it's imperative that you get up to speed very quickly. Your boss could have hired someone new, but it's very expensive to hire someone new to replace you. So you need to be demonstrating that you were the right hire. Now, we've all seen companies where somebody starts and then they're gone after a couple of weeks or a month or two. That is a very, very expensive thing for the company. They don't want to do this. You are in those first 90 days. There is an assumption of success in your favor. All you've got to do is deliver. I say all. (laughs) There's a lot to it. And what I would say, actually, something I talk about in my academy, which I haven't talked about before on the show, I don't think, is your first 90 days actually starts in terms of the mindset, the day of your first recruiter screening. So this is very confusing. So I talk about three seasons of your career inside my academy. 
Um, I'm not going to describe all three, but the two that we're talking about here are that advanced season where you're looking for a job, you're, you know, having recruited screens, hiring manager calls, panels, ultimately getting hired. That's what I call the advanced season. And then season three, the one after that is transitioning these first 90 days. Now, in reality, there's not a clear cut between the two. Whatever job it is that you land, your perception, the perception of you starts at that very first recruiter screening. Notes from that will be kept in your file, most likely. Thoughts from that will be kept, even if the recruiter is external. Something will be kept about that. So although at that point you might have 10, maybe more, maybe less parallel opportunities ahead in front of you, maybe you're interviewing for 10 roles and one of those 10 might turn into the job and only one is therefore going to be the first 90 days, what you're doing in that first moment matters. The entire way through your getting hired experience matters to your first 90 days. There is then a zero date. Your day zero is the day you start. So there is a zero date, but there is an impact on those first 90 days all the way back at that first recruiter screening. So you want to be thinking about this. And I know it's like another thing to think of when we're getting hired and oh my God, there's so many things to think about. But you want to be thinking about this and taking notes that you can use in your first 90 days all the way back at that recruiter screening. So all those notes you took to help you with your interview, if you're not taking notes, by the way, your recruiter screening, you are making a mistake. <laughs> that recruiter screening is crucial to making sure you're prepared for your interviews. So take notes, ask questions, figure out what the company cares about. That's how you prepare for a great interview. <laughs> but lecture over, that information is also really, really important for what they're publicly sharing about what the company is struggling with. You'll then get a different tone when you start, but it all counts together. Okay. One of the other things I've learned through coaching hundreds of women through this transition, through their first 90 days is keeping momentum is key. It's one of the reasons we have such amazing success inside Lit Up Leadership Academy. We provide that structure, support and training to keep momentum. And even more important than that, we encourage you to transition more often than you might otherwise consider. Because transitioning is a skill that you build. It's, it's a muscle, right? <laughs> you need to train and flex muscles. If you only do this once or twice in your career, it's not going to be a well-honed skill. The bigger benefit that I see when women transition more often, not exclusive to women, but hey, that's what we talk about around here, is that even if it's a sideways step, ideally a little bit of an upward step, but a sideways step is still a transition, you are having to build this skill and you are going to be succeeding, thriving and enjoying more roles and having this experience of an expectation with yourself, I guess, of I'm going to move more regularly. I have a standard mantra in the academy of if you have more than 50% qualifications for that next level role, it's time to start looking. That means members are in the mindset of what next before they've fallen out of love with their careers, which can lead to boredom, burnout and stress. So there's this happiness and momentum that comes from flexing this muscle because you are always in love with your career. You've already kind of got things lined up as you're starting to be like, I'm a bit bored rather than, oh my God, I'm so bored or oh my God, this is a toxic workplace, whatever it is. When we are ready to move, we've already kind of got irons in the fire, which means that we enjoy our careers more. We travel up the corporate ladder faster or whatever ladder it is you're after. Anyway, but let's get back to how to thrive in those first 90 days. If you heard last week's episode, you'll have heard me talk to Megan and Kelly about why and how they enjoy hitting the ground running and were able to succeed 
faster to be able to cope with new pressures of that new job. But I'm going to dig into that in more detail now. I want you to make a difference early on in your new role after all. So here are my six keys to your first 90 days. Number one, get up to speed quickly and make sure that you don't make snap decisions that are going to haunt you for the rest of your career. You shouldn't be making decisions during week one because you have very little information. You should be learning in week one. You should be learning your entire first month, but you want to avoid being like, oh, this is what we're going to do now, now, now. You don't want to make any snap decisions, at least for your first two weeks, but I like to push that to 30 days. That just makes people very uncomfortable. As I said, that's one of the conversations we have a lot in the academy. Number two, set boundaries early on so you're able to deal with the pressures of your first 90 days really well and set yourself up for long-term success in the role because the boundaries you put in place at day zero set the tone for the rest of your time in that organization. It's very easy to be like, oh my God, I'm going to work like a crazy person. And oh, this breaks my heart. So many of us start in a new role with the expectation of I am going to be full on for the first month. It is full on for the first month, but because we are thinking hard, nothing is normal, it's new, and so we're learning a lot, but it should not be hard in terms of working long hours. In fact, I would argue you need more downtime in your first 90 days, certainly your first month, because you are absorbing so much, your brain needs downtime to process that. And so I want you to have really strong boundaries around how fast you respond to emails. Do you do what I love to do? Just check emails two, three times a day. Same with Slack. Don't be always available. Don't be super flexible. Don't be on calls at 11 o'clock at night unless you know that that's something that you need to do for this role and you've agreed to it at interview, right? We don't want you taking a job. If you're like, wait, hold on. They never told me I need to be doing calls at 11 or midnight and that's part of the job. Wait, hold on. Um, make sure you know that before you say yes. <laughs> okay. For some people, it's absolutely fine. I work quite late in my day because I work with, I'm in the UK, but I work with Americans a lot. So I have shifted my day. My husband's done the same because he works for an American company um, and it works really well for us. But it's not for everybody. And also I get up late because of that. Like, you know, I am not a morning person. That's great as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> Key thing is, you want to have really strong boundaries. You want to set the tone for the rest of your time in that company and hold those boundaries really firm until everybody just gets them. You are creating expectations for the rest of your time in that role. So start day one the way you plan to continue. Number three, take over handling of day-to-day -day operations. This may sound obvious, but the key thing is I want you to be intentional about this. Many of us either aim to take the reins from day one, which has its own set of issues, or we never fully assert our authority in this new role, which causes issues later on. So let's talk about this for a second. Taking reins on day one, why, why is that a problem? Well, it's a problem because at that point, you don't know enough. This is where you start making mistakes because you don't understand the culture. You start making mistakes because you don't understand the strategy. And so grabbing onto the reins from day one is generally a bad idea unless if you don't do that, genuinely something bad is going to happen. I like to be very hands-off in the first week and then just gradually increase how much I take off others. I learn from them. I shadow them. I ask them how they operate. I make it very clear that this might change, that we, we will likely change things as I get to know the organization, but I like to be fairly hands-off and mirror what's going on first. The other side of this is when people never fully step into owning everything. 
and I've seen this one too, where we start, we have a great onboarding process and they're like, you know, take your time. And so we just continue. We continue in this state of, should I be doing that? I don't know. I just continue doing this. I want you to set expectations for great. Thank you for like allowing me to take the time here to get to know everything. My intention is that 30 days is I'm going to start owning this, this and this. Does that sound good to you? I want you to be intentional about taking over day-to-day operations. Okay, key goal number four, deliver a new kick-ass strategy if that is why you've been hired, or at least figure out how you're going to be delivering on any strategy you've been hired to deliver on. So we might inherit something, we might be at the director level where quite often we're given a strategy rather than developing strategy, whatever it is, I want you to make sure that you deliver whether that is delivering a new strategy, if that's what's needed, or delivering on an existing strategy, maybe tweaking it. Your goal is to get to the point at the end of the 90 days where there's a clear plan of delivery. It's really, really important. Have you been brought in to create strategy? Depending on your role and depending on what point in your career you're at, you can do that in your first 90 days. If you're a CEO, it's typically going to take six months, right? But I think... For a lot of things, if you are looking at a corporate strategy, you can develop something for the next six to 12 months in month two, which is when I typically suggest you work on strategy. But if you are writing a completely new corporate strategy, that is going to take six months, typically. That's what I tend to do when I work with CEOs. Depends how big your business is. My business strategy, we're a nice small business. Our strategy has been evolving um, since I built the business, since I built the team, we evolved the strategy. But it's a fairly simple strategy because we're a small business. And so it didn't take six months to create. It's going to take us quite a long time to deliver it. It's a five-year strategy. But, you know, the what we have is, is fairly simple because we're a small business. So it really does depend on the business. Key goal number five, deliver some early wins to build that team cohesion, rapport and excitement. Early wins. Mm. So this is where I see so many people getting this wrong. Either they ignore early wins, they just go straight for that big, chunky strategy, and that's all they focus on, which is hard for your team. Really, really hard. The other massive mistake I see people make is just finding anything to do for an early win. They're like, oh my God, there's that like nice little thing here. If we did that, we'd get success. That's a mistake. Why is that a mistake? Early wins set the tone for priorities. You want your early win to be aligned with strategy. So this is why I say you should not be doing your early win until the end of month two at the earliest, by which point you kind of know the direction of travel in the organization. You might not have the full strategy, but you know where you're going with your team. You know what you expect from your team and you know enough to have identified some early wins and you need to pick one that you can do quickly in a timely manner. Ideally involves everybody or a large portion or impacts everybody and is aligned with that strategic direction, even if you haven't got the full strategy mapped out. Because that builds that cohesion, builds that rapport, builds excitement, and says, these are our priorities. If you do something over here that you're like, well, actually, that's not aligned with our strategy, you're setting the wrong tone. Okay, and the sixth and final key goal is cementing your reputation in the organization. This is setting your tone. This is setting what you contribute. Uh, So if you are like many of the women I work with, and I think I was one of these as well, we tend not to speak up in meetings. Uh, (laughs) You might all think, really, Tony, you didn't speak up. So I would speak up when I was picked on and I would speak up in small meetings. I very rarely spoke up for many years 
in big meetings. I would think, oh my God, there's something, I don't like this, this doesn't sound right. But I'd like second guess myself. And I have this conversation almost on a daily basis with my clients. Uh, I guess it's one of the reasons many of them come to work with me. Maybe it resonates with them. There are exceptions. I have other clients who are kicking ass and do not need this kind of coaching and I applaud them. And I've also got plenty of clients who came to me to work with on this. They've dealt with it. We've got them over it. Same with me here. Woohoo! <laughs> and they speak up all the time now and that's no longer an issue, which is amazing. But what I want you to do is learn how to speak up in meetings. As I said, that first 90 days really sets the tone for the rest of your time in that company. So speaking up is important. This is why I get so depressed when I speak to women who are like, I want to coach, but I need to wait until after my first 90 days. And I'm like, no, you need a coach now. If you need a coach, and I think all of us can benefit from a coach, but if you are thinking, I need a coach, you need it before you start your first 90 days. You need it so you are ready for those first 90 days and so that you can get out of your comfort zone, learn how to speak up in the right way at the right time, learn how to think on your feet, learn how to demonstrate your value and really set the tone for the rest of your time in that company. Get a coach now, <laughs> that's what I'm going to say. If there's part of you who's like, oh yeah, I need a coach, but I'm going to wait till after my first 90 days because I'm not sure I have time. I would say you can't afford to not have the time. Having a coach saves you time little rant there over. <laughs> so those are your six key goals. Get up to speed quickly, set boundaries, take over handling of day-to-day -day operations intentionally, get that kick-ass strategy in place, deliver some early wins and cement your reputation. You're also going to manage stakeholders when the stakes are really high. So you want to be identifying as part of everything I've just said, just kind of getting up to speed quickly, who the stakeholders are, talk to your manager in your first week about who you should be interacting with. Some managers were like, here's who you need to talk to. Others will be, you need to take ownership of this. You need to be like, who am I going to be interacting with on a regular basis? Is there anyone else I should be connecting with to gain insights, to prepare for future collaborations? You need to be the one going out there and doing this. I've seen far too many people go, I've been told my network is not big enough at work. And I'm like, yes, and it's on you to do that. Not on your boss. You're a leader. Even if you're a thought leader, at a certain point in our career, we don't get handholded. It is our job to figure this bit out. Everybody else you speak to say, who else would it be useful to me to be introduced to? I do this with networking outside of our businesses, but you should absolutely be doing it internally as well when you're getting going. As you start your first 90 days, you'll realize that however great the company is at this onboarding process, their onboarding process is not sufficient. You need to onboard yourself. You've got to take ownership of this. You've got to transition. And transitioning is this underrated skill, hence this podcast episode. It's imperative that you master the skill as your career depends on it. The people that do well, do extraordinarily well because they know how to transition well. Quite often, they are changing jobs. It might be internal or external every 18 to 24 months. Those are the people that make a massive impact on the world because they've always got this fresh new insight and they move very, very quickly. They learn a lot of skills. They don't stand still. Okay. Let me just lay out a little bit about what that transition now looks like. You've got those key goals. What what does those first 90 days really look like? Well, the first 30 days of your new role is your time to understand each and every aspect of your new role and the challenges you and your team face. This is your time to set expectations on how fast you will move. You'll need a lot of conversations with your manager and with your team about this is what's going to happen. And you may well have to say that multiple times. 
especially if you've got a boss who's like, I want stuff yesterday. You'll be like, yes, I hear you. And this is what we're going to do. This is why it's going to work. This is my first 90 day plan. <laughs> Patience. <laughs> Having those conversations, how to have those conversations well is again, one of the main topics we have in transition coaching in the academy. But it's also time to introduce yourself to your team. But be careful if your new role hasn't yet been made public. Um, I had a client a couple of years ago who, and I think this happens quite a lot actually, but we had to really do some careful management here. She started in the role as kind of a ghost because her previous company didn't want it public that she'd left for various reasons. And so there was agreement between the two companies that she could start, but she wasn't allowed to meet anybody <laughs> for 30 days. I was like, okay, but we'll figure this out. So you just need to be a little bit cautious if there's anything like that. Um, make sure that if you're going to announce on LinkedIn, which in general, I think is a really, really good thing that you do it with the blessing of your company in case there's any privacy concerns. And really it's about establishing rapport, knowledge, rapport, understanding, pay great attention to those unspoken cultural networks. How does everyone communicate with each other? How do they run meetings? How do they solve problems? Who goes to who? I actually get my clients to write a second org chart, one that has dotted lines between the unspoken relationships. They're not official relationships, but there's a lot of unspoken relationships. That, just documenting that can really help you understand how to get things done. Start understanding the problems in your organization, get to the root cause of why you've been hired. What you were told at interview is not the full story. It might be to turn things around or because someone left why did they leave? What's the problem? People don't leave because they got more money. That's not the only reason. Some people will appear to have left because they got this great new opportunity. If they loved what they were doing, they wouldn't leave. Most people don't do that. So there's something else going on. It might be something that isn't going to bother you, but try and understand what happened, why you were here, why you run somebody else. More often than not, people that hired you don't fully understand the problem. That's why you've been hired, is to get to the bottom of it. Then you want to finish up your first 90 days by understanding the North Star of the organization. If you haven't already heard that term, I talk about setting your own personal North Star in episode 132. So please go take a listen to that. But your organization's North Star is its overall strategic direction, why it matters, how your all fits into this. This can be harder than it sounds. Sometimes it isn't as simple as reading the corporate strategy. You need to uncover why the company exists and what is driving it. This is what you want to align yourself with as quickly as possible. This will help you speak the language of those around you. During your second month, you should be diagnosing and understanding the root causes of poor performance. You'll also be coming up with your short-term and long-term goals during this month too. And it's also when you're gonna really start stepping into day-to-day -day management of operations, making any changes you want to make to the team and how they behave and function. Yes, don't do that on day one, as I already mentioned. You need to understand the culture first before doing that in month two. Before this, go along with what you've inherited or what is already going on and then make it clear that you'll be making changes once you've settled in and then implement those changes in month two and start fully stepping into day-to-day decision-making and operations. Again, you don't want to be doing that until month two. Now, along with short-term and long-term goals, you'll also have started to identify that long-term strategic direction related to the North Star, and it's time to start building that strategy. That is your main job in month two, strategy development. This should take the majority of your time. It might be that it's about strategy delivery, and you're like, okay, what's my plan of action for this? 
but it may well be that you've got to take that corporate strategy and say, what does my team do? How do we need to tweak what we're already doing? Or do I need to scratch that out completely and start again? At this point, your team knows you, you start to build that rapport, and you should be starting to turn to alliances. You want to build alliances. You want peers to be like, yeah, this woman, she knows what she's doing. You want people to start calling you out in meetings and saying, I want to hear from so-and-so, right? We want that to happen during month two, but that takes groundwork in month one. And then finally, towards the middle and end of month two, once you really understand the strategic direction, you're going to identify that early win. As I already mentioned, getting that right is key. Okay, what happens in month three? This is where you start rolling out your strategic plan, which may include hiring, a change in management, ensuring full leadership buy-in, coaching your team, your peers, and your bosses through the change you're making. Yes, you can coach your boss. They don't need to know it's coaching, but you can coach your boss through changes. And you know, wrapping up those early wins and demonstrating success to your team to boost that morale to your stakeholders, showing everybody that they made the right choice in hiring you. You're cementing your reputation. The goal of month three is to cement that you are the leader bringing these great changes and solidifying this reputation so that it works with you in the long term. Okay, now you know what you need to understand for a well-planned first 90 days. I hope that you have lots of opportunities to put this into practice. Maybe bookmark this episode to refresh every time you land a new job. If you need help navigating through your first 90 days, please reach out to me or you can join Lit Up Leadership Academy where we go into this in depth whenever it's crucial. So we always have these three tracks based on the three seasons of our career. And one of the seasons is first 90 days and you can be in that whenever you need to be. More important still, we have coaching to help you through it as well. All too often, our first day days is derailed by our mindset. We're concerned that we're not engaged early enough on how to navigate our boss, how to take ownership of something when somebody else owns it, even though we know it's our job. How to ensure that early win really doesn't align with strategy. Those are the conversations we have all the time in coaching in Lit Up Leisure Academy when people are in that transition phase. It's just so important to have this right mindset. So... As always, let's wrap up with a mindset tip. The number one mindset blocker I see for people in their first 90 days is thinking they have to do everything in their first few weeks. I'm hoping you've now heard the theory as to why you shouldn't, but it still trips so many people up, myself included, by the way. There's this temptation to dive in, make big sweeping changes without fully understanding the organization. Or our bosses are like, you must do, do, do. This causes so many problems. Firstly, more often than not, when we do this, We then need to spend a huge amount of time picking up the pieces. There are some famous cases of this that have been in the media recently, but we make bad decisions because we don't have all of the perspective. Our team hasn't been coached into being ready for this change. So they spend far more time than they need to floundering. Six months or more is typical because you haven't coached them in the change that's coming. Change management done well is different from crisis management. Crisis management is... You do the minimum and pick everybody up again. You need to get through the crisis. Change management is a planned change and everybody is conditioned to expect it. And if done well, you can do it in two to four weeks. I've got one of my clients right now. Her team is going through a very big change. In fact, the entire company is. Her team is one of the biggest parts of the company. And the executive team that she's part of has known this for a while. They took time to get through this emotionally. And then they rolled it out to their team. Their team, she reckons three weeks is how long it's taking them to roll out this massive emotional change. 
because the company and she in particular in my opinion i'm very biased i think this woman is extraordinary <laughs> there's done so much groundwork with her team to ensure that they get how this is going to work that and the change of management is just flowing it's beautiful now she knows her team really really well she's built a lot of this team she moved here several years ago but she's also built a lot of it and she has this really great rapport with them all but you can do that. You might not be able to do it that smoothly in your first 90 days, but you can do it if you take the time to do it well. So don't do it in your first week. It generally just doesn't go well. So pace yourself. Realize that it's better to do things towards the end of those first 90 days and do it up front. And it's then going to take six months instead of just a few weeks of turmoil. The second and potentially bigger issue with starting too soon is that you don't know enough. It's easy to set a strategic direction that isn't fully in alignment, that doesn't consider all the nuances of the business and ultimately sets you and your team up for failure. Again, some famous examples in the media about this, right? It is worth waiting to fully understand the organization and your team, which will hopefully take most of month one and then a month two, you're going to fully flesh out that great strategic direction before implementation and rolling out in month three. When I see people do this, they often create far bigger, long-lasting change than those that go in on days five to 10, start throwing everything out, <laughs> making mistakes that had to be backtracked and really upsetting the team instead of leveraging them and then skills and knowledge and talent to help you out. So take a pause and learn how to push back on a boss that wants results yesterday. Show your boss that your plan is to really get to know the organization and create a great plan so you can push this out in the third month with minimal disruption to day-to-day -day operations because you've taken the time to do this right. That is your first 90 days. I could talk about this one all day long, as you might have gathered. <laughs> it's a topic that I truly get so much out of. And I wish I'd known all of this in my career. It's something I've developed as a coach. And I knew some of this, but nowhere near as much as I now do. And it is so powerful for really changing your career path in the short term and the medium term and in the long term too. But as always, go check out the show notes if anything I've mentioned here is something you want to read up on more, um, if you want to join the programs I discussed. But until next time, stay on your tech leadership game, follow your dreams because the world really does need that uniqueness that you bring as a leading woman in tech.